if you were hypothetically having sex, would you prefer to call someone daddy or chef in bed? What would your preference be there? Chef. Okay. <laughs> no hesitation. Yeah. You were like, obviously chef. Yeah. Why would you ask that question? What a, what a strange question to ask. Of course it's chef. Yes, chef. Thank you, chef. I love you, chef. <laughs> Harder, chef. <laughs> thank you, chef. <laughs> I think you said thank you, chef, already. Well, th that was for after. Uh, th it was chronological. Oh, right, so of course. it was harder, chef, yeah. than thank you, chef. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Original Podcast Do Not Steal, um, the weekly show uh, in which every week Devin and I, um, my co host Devin and I, uh, take your favorite and or least favorite intellectual properties, franchises, uh, shows, hopes, dreams, ideas, and we make an original character in that space, um, you may, the eagle-eyed among you, or eagle-eared, may have noticed, um, that today is, we do not have a Proto-Man episode, as we originally promised you. Um, I feel like we did in season one a lot of instances of promising the audience that something was coming next week and that it didn't happen, and I feel like we got a lot better at that in season two, but here we are, um, uh, we are doing a little bit of a Devin retrieval arc. Devin is not on the episode. You may have not heard his voice already, and that's a subtle clue. Uh, there's a little piece of foreshadowing that we packed in to indicate that he is not here this week, um, and he will not be here next week either. We are hoping it will not be as long as the Amber Autumn retrieval arc from season one. He just doesn't have logistically uh, a place to record at the moment because of, of uh, logistical reasons. So. Um, I was tasked with doing a Devon Retrieval arc where I get a couple of guest co-hosts on to do some guest episodes in very much the same way that Devon did back in season one. And I thought, what better opportunity to bring back John Prime, who is a former guest of the show on the Commedia dell'arte episode way back towards the beginning of season one. We both, in our, our wrap-up to season one, talking about this episode, talked about how much we wanted to get John Prime back on because they were such a wonderful guest and we had completely failed to prepare them for what the podcast actually was. Um, and so I am, defense, I'm very excited to have you back on. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back. In your defense, um, I had never listened to your podcast and that's, I think that's my fault. <laughs> it is true that you could have done that. It is true. I could have listened to your podcast before we did our Commedia dell'arte episode which you know like I still think about that every like every other week I'll be like man <laughs> I really should have said something different about that thing about when Devin said that and yeah good episode well, now you have a you have a, a second chance um at being on the podcast and talking about something you care about and this time you didn't even have the opportunity to listen to the podcast first because I messaged you about it like today, like five hours ago. I was like, do you want to be on the show? And you said yes immediately. So thank you for that. Oh, you're um, so welcome. I love uh, doing things. Um, <laughs> really? Sometimes. <laughs> I hate doing things. Well, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time because we're doing the podcast we're doing the podcast so um for those of you not in the know my name is amber autumn she her john do you want to introduce yourself to our uh beloved adoring audience yeah so my name is john uh, my pronouns are they them i am a musician uh in the band Gregular, previous actor and uh, student of commedia dell'arte current 
graduate student of psychology and lifelong lover of food, which this brings is us true. to you were like the the first person I ever met who like could cook in a way that like intimidated me because I grew up in a household where I didn't know how to cook, and then we went to college together, and um, we uh, in our apartment all took turns cooking a meal one night a week for the group and you were the best one there and I was the worst one there and it was very embarrassing for me but now we get to continue in our story tradition of you teaching me things about food I just love food so much like chopping it cooking it eating it looking at it it's just obviously we're putting a food content warning right now right here just so you know there's gonna be food in this episode but it is a you, you know, you saw the title. It's an episode on Chopped, so you probably should have seen that coming coming in, to be honest with you. And now is your chance to leave before things get real <laughs> foodie. Real hungry. Oh, yeah. So, I've never, I've never seen Chopped. Tell me about Chopped. I mean, other than the clips that you sent me today. Chopped is such a special show. It's such a simple premise of, I think, just food in general and cooking and being a chef. The idea is like, this is your job. This is your, you're an expert in food. You are like doing this and people are paying you for it. And I think that's just such a way that we don't always think about like food as a profession um, and the ability to cook things and have them taste good, like really taste good, like professional level wow my grandma made that any of those kind of things the thing about like beat bobby flay or iron chef is it lacks snappy tv production and editing and the gamification of cooking and i think chopped really makes cooking into a fun game of for those of you who don't know and for those of you who do and are so excited to hear me explain this, on the game show Chopped, four contestants enter and one leaves the crowned, the chopped champion. Uh, each round, there's an appetizer round, entree round, and dessert round. The chefs must use four completely random ingredients from the basket and to create their recipes. So, like, in a way... Chopped is a cooking roguelike um, where every round you don't know the key like main ingredients that have to be used and it's like really pushes like the time management skills the like food prep like the creativity just every aspect of cooking in like a super high pressure situation it's so fun it's something that's like the pacing of it is really good the editing is good the judges are fun. The, like, just celebration of food and culture, like, family even. Because every contestant comes on and they're like, oh, I'm doing this for my my great-grandma. She taught me how to stir rice in the pot when I was three years old. Which is great. But, like, you get to see a lot of the same, not the same, but sim contestants that are similar in similar ways. And they make mistakes in the kitchen it just becomes familiar and delicious and watchable so they make mistakes in the kitchen but they are like experts at it like they do they do get people who are the best in the field oh yeah yeah, yeah. this is like 
this is not like a casual show. This is like people come like I own a chef. I own I'm a chef at like a four star restaurant in New York City, and I'm competing to like win another award for my trophy wall, and then like going up against like I'm an up and coming like restaurant owner at this place and I can't pay my bills because I'm broke, but I'm a really talented chef. And so it's like, somebody's got to win the prize money. And so I know that like so much of the premise of the, the show of the game is about the mystery box, right? The, um, the mystery the ingredients. Four, the, yeah. The mystery ingredients. Um, I give you a little bit more details on those and how that works. Um, that's the funniest thing is uh, Ted Allen, who like hosts the show, will say, chefs, the appetite's around. Your four mystery ingredients are... And then they open the basket of ingredients. I found this generator. Uh, key limes. Lemon thyme. Gorgonzola cheese. Monkfish cheeks. Um, and then Those almost all actually sound like they go really well together already. That actually doesn't sound like a difficult set of four at all to me. I don't know. Key limes are not... They're very specific flavor. So anyways, he, he then he says, all right, time starts now. And they have 20 minutes to make an appetizer. And then uh, they do the judging. One chef gets chopped. They're eliminated. That's where, like, the whole... That's the title drop. And then um, they do the entree round and the dessert round. So it's like the chefs don't know what's what they're going to be cooking until they see what's in the basket and then they are able to use other ingredients from the kitchen like they could be like oh i need eggs or i need milk or i need all of these spices or i need garlic like there's going to be they're in a fully stocked kitchen i'm trying to think of anything else it's really so i you sent me you sent me a video that had like some examples of like the the wildest ingredients that have been part of the the mystery ingredients and it was like um, you know, like sheep's brains and leftover pizza yep. um, and, and things like that. And surely that is not representative of like the median ingredient that gets included here. Like what, what does a normal set of four look like? Would you say that the four that you just pulled there are a pretty normal set of four? I think so. Yeah. They really, they try to do like... It's not always this way, but it seems to be, like, limit one fruit, vegetable, dairy, meat. But they could all be vegetables. Or one's, like, a protein. Um, so it's, like, they are, like, intentionally curated um, for the show. Uh, but they're not, like, designed to have, like, a certain goal. And so it's, like cooking with these creative constraints really pushes forward like like you have to have a vision and you have to like creatively use the ingredients like the leftover pizza one if you just serve leftover pizza it's like cool you use the basket ingredient it sucks so it's like they look for like a transformative (laughs) quality of did you really transform the leftover pizza but then they get really mad if you transform something too much like let's say if there was like duck liver but you hate duck liver and it's like you like turn it and you transform it too much and they're like yeah i'm not really tasting the duck liver like it's totally gone i really wanted the richness of that and then it's like well make up your mind dude or (laughs) 
there's just so many ways so many things can go wrong it's what got me to like approach cooking with less fear of just like just do it just like what the heck throw it in what's the worst thing that could happen uh amber autumn very familiar uh with the oh. infamous chaos waffles chaos waffles <laughs> or waffle chaos was the the night was called waffle chaos the waffles themselves were chaos waffles this was when this was like in the same time period we were living together any you should any respect you have for me is should go away when you hear this i would get bored and we would have waffle night <laughs> and i would just put random ingredients from the spice cabinet into each ladle full of waffles um so it would be a mystery whatever you got um <laughs> one of them would be like just like a canned peas i never Another did canned like peas. a whole bunch of cayenne one was there is like the taco okay, but seasoning that's the vibe. taco seasoning one was good like the like brown sugar cinnamon one was good um the like I think it was like an Italian seasoning. The Worcestershire waffle was an experience that I believe <laughs> Amber described. Like you said, it, it tastes like if something was so like not evil or holy, just like no one wanted it in such an extreme way, but not in a bad like something way. Something like... It's not evil. It's just that there is no God here. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that was the vibe. <laughs> no God is here. It's a godless food. Um, so yeah, you can thank Chopped for that. Can I? Wow. Okay. Origin story for Waffle Chaos. <laughs> so I, you know, I, reality TV isn't necessarily a genre that I have a, like an enormous amount of experience with, but I've, you know, I watched some amount of Taskmaster. I've watched, um, uh, a little bit of, of, oh, that might actually be it, but you know, I've seen a little bit of Taskmaster. <laughs> and so I'm like aware there's like some element to which you are watching the show because you like want to see the game and it's fun to watch the game being played and there is some amount that you watch the show because of the characters involved. And, like, obviously with Taskmaster, they, like, get all these famous comedians. And with with Chopped, you're not necessarily sampling for a pool of the most charismatic people you can find. You're sampling for a pool of, like, the most skilled at the game people you can find. And maybe that creates, like, a different structure where it's more about the game than it is about the people. But I'm... I'm curious how much, when you're watching it, you have people you root for over other people, if there are, like, narratives that emerge that way, or if it really is just, like, what the fuck are they gonna do with the sheep's brains? You really do become attached. Like, from the instant that they show you these people, you're like, whoa. Um, and they do, they do a really good job of crafting the narrative for each contestant, of just, like, someone comes on... Like, like a Guy Fieri type of guy comes on. He's like, I'm the biggest food truck chef on this side <laughs> of the Mississippi. And I've got tacos that'll blow your socks off. And he just is so fun. And you're like, wow, I really hope this guy wins. And then five minutes into the appetizer round, he's like, his station's on fire. 
Um, he's like, <laughs> the blender is running. There's like a snake <laughs> loose somewhere. And you're like, oh no, he's getting chopped. Oh. Um, so I think you've already given me one example, but I would love to hear about a couple of contestants who have made an especial impression on you. Well, it's not just the contestants. It's also the impre- it's also the judges. So like, oh, okay, they have like a they have a set of like rotating judges, usually from like other cooking shows, famous chefs, people who like have been on Food Network or like all these other things. Um, and not all all of the same ones are on every episode. But, like, you begin to pick out chefs you're like, like, oh, okay, like, that was a pretty, like, interesting feedback they gave. Or, like, this guy is so annoying. Why does he hate this? Or so, like, the more you get to know the judges, the more you can fear for the contestants, even if they're new. The clip I sent you about Scott Conant and the raw red onions was this guy, professional chef, uh, food critic, restaurant owner, the works. Goes on the cooking show, contestant serves him raw red onion as part of his meal and the appetizer round. He's like, I don't like this. Raw red onion. And the chef's like, oh, I, I wanted it to bring out a, like, I wanted to bring a freshness and a brightness to this, like, bean salad. And I thought raw red onion is a really good flavor. And then Scott Conan's like, no, you, you've got to cook it. It's overpowering. It's too strong. And it's like, okay. You can be dramatic. We're, you're on a cooking show. But then, in the entree round, the same contestant makes something with raw red onions again. <laughs> After, the like, Scott Conant, the judge, one of the three judges, scolded him, saying, basically, under no uncertain terms, will you use raw red onion ever? And uh, he did. Um, and he just gave him, he just threw a face, like, what's this? I see raw red onion. What are you doing? And so just like watching any episode and seeing if Scott is there is like, uh, oh, I wonder if uh, these new contestants know his thing about raw red onions. And then you get to you get to carry that forward for like every subsequent episode that that judge is on. If he's there. Then you're afraid for the contestants. Only if they use raw red onion, which is part of the surprise of the mystery basket too it's really like a like a villain hero hero of the week recipe of the week enemy of the you get the deal yeah however we are not making a judge because you specifically requested before we went on you you told me that you wanted to make um two contestants you said you want to make two different you you pitched around the idea of doing four but decided that was going to take too much time and so we're settling on on two different chopped contestants let's do um, one and you want you want to stick with one let's do one okay because <laughs> i want to i want to collaborate doing it down i like i want to collaborate with you i don't want to like we each make our own little guy i think one is good sure. so the the other like little little plot twist that we're bringing into this um is that you have written a tabletop role-playing game um in preparation for this episode in the in the five hours between when i said hey do you want to be on the show and right now you you came up with a character creation system for a tabletop role-playing game based on Chopped. Yes, that and, is correct. And and that's what we're going to be doing live on air as part of our character creation process for this. Yeah. So when Amber Autumn told me I'd be uh, on the show today, 
and asked what I wanted to do, I said, let's do Chopped and hang on. I'm actually going to make a board game instead of listening to your podcast um, to figure <laughs> out how to best do this. So the character sheet we have, like I tried to think about like what makes a Chopped contestant a Chopped contestant. And it's like part of that is like, well, what do they highlight in the show? What do they do? Um, and I narrowed it down to like a lot of different aspects there. I didn't finish the game, but I did finish the character creator. Um, so none of these things that we choose will have any effect, but they could. It's not necessarily going to have like a mechanical effect on the game for us because we are not going on to play the game. We are playing through the character creator that you've designed here. Right. Um, but luckily our, our end goal here is not to play the game. Our end goal is to have... Um, an interesting shopped contestant that our whole audience uh, loves and wants to put in a little jar and watch them. That's right. Or whatever. And isn't, I mean, <laughs> we want to make a Blorbo for everybody out there. This podcast is kind of character creator simulator. It absolutely is. Yeah. No, it's, we make an OC every week. We're making, we're making characters. That's all we're doing here. All right. Then let's jump right into it. And let's, yeah, I'm missing something. I, I would love. I I I'm not missing something. Do you want to? It's it's your game. Do you want to guide us through it? Do you want to? Do you want to take the lead on that? Sure. So I was gonna say we could start with the name, but I think it'd be fun to start with your initial thought of like, what's the idea? Like, what is the initial idea we have for this chef? And I think I think it'd be really funny. Uh, to have a chef that is just very depressed. <laughs> We're really, like, really bringing some, uh, started making it how to break down Bon Appetit energy to Chopped here. Like, I'm thinking, like, Anton Ego levels of depressed, like, pre the events of Ratatouille. Like, I just truly just this miserable chef. Somebody who's, like, not even happy to be on Chopped. Yeah. Like, really just, like, I can't... Well, I think they have to want to be there. If they don't want to be there, they would leave. Um, but it's got to be just, like... I feel like they always have a people on who are... You've got, like, the serious culinary school contestant. You've got, like, the hard-working rest family restaurant owner contestant. You have old guy who's been like a restaurateur for forever, who just like wants to have a little fun. And then really peppy, zesty, full of life, 20 something. And it's like, where is my depressed chef representation? And I think that is what Chopped is missing. So my, the thing I'm nervous about here is that we, I sort of don't want to make them like you it's not fun to actually genuinely watch someone have a mental breakdown on set right you need to you need to make the chef being depressed be fun you need to bring some marvin the depressed android into the situation exactly so like it has to be a situation where this character is having either outsized reactions to small stimuli or it's like i don't know the 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 character's mopey disposition um, doesn't seem to actually reflect like a deep internal hardship. It reflects like a, like just somebody who really wants to complain and put on a show about not wanting to be there, even though they do want to be there. 
Something something in that territory. Yeah, I can see that. I also can just see... I, I think Marvin is a very good analogy for a very good comedic character who is depressed. And I think for depressed game show contestant or cooking competition contestant, I think it comes down to... I think that would be more of a role-playing aspect. No, but this is for the show. I want it to come out in the expression of the food. It's so hard to look at this they in terms making of... making sad dishes? Yeah. <laughs> but that wouldn't... It wouldn't... They'll serve anything and they'll give this really sad story attached to it about why this dish reminds them of death or their, like, old childhood dog who went up to a farm or whatever. Something like that. It's very hard to do without becoming a parody. Like, this is this would quickly become an SNL sketch of just, like, of exactly that. So maybe this is the wrong direction in terms of, like, what kind of high concept to pursue for this particular chef. Because the other direction is, like, cartoonishly, someone who's, like, cartoonishly evil and thinks uh, food tastes bad <laughs> and wants to prove to everyone how bad their food is by like making... which is funny but not necessarily the thing we want it is funny it's not and exactly we may not necessarily want to do that we can we can say we can say a marvin light is sort of the the vibe of the thing it it marvin we don't Jr. have to lean into it so far it becomes it becomes a parody but um, yeah, a character who certainly puts on airs of being sad all the time. But it could be like a Stephen Wright, kind of like dry, you know the deal. Are they mostly American, the contestants? It's an American show, yeah? Yes, but they do a pretty good job of getting people from all over the world, honestly. He could be French. So at some point we'll have to figure out where our character is from. I was going to say he could be French. French is pretty good. I think... I think that that makes it funnier. It does. It's, I think that's perfect. I think depressed French chef. It's like very French pessimism. I don't know if French, the French are pessimists. It's really, it's a Russian pessimism, but he's French. I mean, really, it, now we just described Anton Ego with extra steps. That's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> that's fine. That's allowed. Yeah. What's his vision? So, um, yeah, what does that what does that mean? Chef's vision is the next thing on this sheet. Yeah, I don't know what that looks like. What that means? So like, it's it's like an artist statement. It's like, what does your food, what is it supposed to do? You know, or like, what are you doing to make this food come together? I would say, like my chef's vision is like, I want to make delicious food that is comforting and nourishing and that's not not overly difficult but it's also like emphasis on delicious i think a lot of contestants will say things on chopped like my vision is to like bring this like afro-cuban cuisine to the like the main like culinary world or like someone like it could be family recipes or best barbecue brisket cooked in this specific way in Arizona just like ab above all else for your food 
So it's like instead of the chef's high concept, it's what's their high concept for their food. If that makes okay, sense. Okay, I have two ideas. Go for it. Two concepts. Uh, tell me which one you like better for Marvin Jr. One is that we... Like, the, the, the goal is to just, like, make a food that will connect with people on, like, a like a personal our chef to the other person level. Like, it's, it, like, their goal is to share their own experiences with the world, to, like, build connections with people individually uh, because they are very lonely and they are looking for connection. And the other one, the other idea, is that this chef's goal is nothing short of making the single best meal you have ever eaten in your entire life um, because they are setting themselves up for way too high of a standard and that way even when they do really well they can be like oh, i fucking failed it again i've messed it up again it's not literally the single best meal that anyone has ever eaten do either of those resonate i think that's kind of perfect which one the second one okay great i think and then guess what happens if Mar if Chef Marvin Jr. makes the best meal that anyone's ever had in their entire life, every meal after that it will be worse. <laughs> um, and then they've just set themselves a new challenge. They're like, well, now yeah. my next meal has to be better than that. I'll never be better than that. That's the best I've ever been. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I think the next... Uh, trait on the chopped character generating character creator sheet is the tragic flaw. So I I took inspiration from the show Chopped with this one because a lot of chefs on the show they have this like strength of theirs that is so like core to who they are, but it ultimately ends up ruining them. And this happens a lot. Like I'm not like. It's really weird. That, they like, just like red onions, raw red onions, way too much. There's the raw red onions guy. There's people who think they can make a souffle in 30 minutes because you can't. It's usually people who are like, there's the sins are too by the book. That's a really big sin. Uh, too creative and losing the basket ingredients in like the rest of the dish not getting like bad time management like can't get all the food on the plate in time or even finish cooking it serving undercooked food like injuries uh setting things on fire they do like talking head interviews during the show and they will do like they'll have the the chefs narrate over everything that happened and what they were thinking and you hear the thought processes and then you see the outcomes and you're like, wow, they really set themselves up to fail and there's nothing they could have done about it. Or just tragic flaw of wanting to use the ice cream machine uh, on any episode. Don't use the ice cream machine. No one ever wins who uses the ice cream machine. I think an interesting tragic flaw would be like a two-parter for Marvin of, I think, high expectations and always disappointed would be like how I would phrase... The tragic flaw so I'm, I'm trying to imagine how that results in them losing in in that being like a potential source of downfall and and what it, what that sounds like to me is that our chef will make the perfect meal and have five minutes left on the clock and then we'll taste it and go it's not perfect yet and we'll keep working past that point 
and like it inevitably gets worse after that point like they'll get to the point when they should stop and then keep going because they're not satisfied yet that happens on the show i'm a genius yeah and you know what else happens on the show people will have that extra time and they won't do anything and their food turns out kind of fine and the judges will be like you had extra time what were you standing around for and they're like my food was fine (laughs) but you could have done more so they'll get you either way it's messed up but yeah people really do ruin their food in the last 30 seconds it's so sad i think i think that that's absolutely yeah the high expectations never satisfied resulting in that exact problem cool motivation so this is the next box motivation is like i'm doing it for my family i'm doing it for my restaurant for like why do you cook we know why marvin cooks but why is he cooking here on chopped what's he gonna gain right because they sound very internally motivated i'm not i'm not naming them marvin jr by the way okay that's a fine for a temporary but i'm not actually it's well, I'm not naming them after the inspiration of Marvin the Depressed Robot. I just like. I'm not gonna steal that full whole cloth. I like wor- a working name. No, it's yeah, absolutely for a working name. Um, Marvin seems very internally motivated to me. They seem like they have a lot of pride in what they do, and so that maybe leans towards. That, that feels like it leans to me either towards the I want another trophy for my trophy wall situation or it leans towards they're doing this for someone else and they're like maybe even kind of embarrassed to be here. But, um, you know, they're, you know, their daughter wanted them on the show or something like that. Yeah, this is definitely a I'm winning this for someone else. I'm thinking... Let's say girlfriend. Okay. It's a French friend. Chef loves their girlfriend. That's right. And it's because their girlfriend loves Chopped. Okay. Yeah, that's cute. They do a lot of meta things on the show of just like, people are always talking like, yeah, I love Chopped. I watch with my family all the time. Our character doesn't necessarily love Chopped, but the girlfriend does. It's not, they're not doing it to win a bet. But they will also win a bet if they do win Chopped. <laughs> from a, from the kind of yeah, conversation of like, I could win that show. Or wait, no, they're French. I could win that show. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But like, that's not why. Um, your next box here is traditions and schools yeah um you're gonna know more about this one than i do so for cooking there's all of these different like like what school of cooking do you come from is kind of like a or like the tradition of it this just means like cooking background or experience so some people will be like they are oh i'm a uh i trained at french culinary school i work now like i'm the sous chef at a four-star italian restaurant and my family is from buffalo new york so i know all about buffalo wings or like back some people are pastry chefs and they will go on chopped and they'll do really well because turns out if you can if you're really good at pastry and you get to the dessert round you're gonna do pretty good or some people are like private chefs like personal chefs or specialize in certain kinds of foods 
or certain cuisines or some even specialize in like fusion of I only make Thai Cajun food and that's my secret specialty and I'm sharing it with the world. So I think for this one, depressed French chef. So I think he did go to French culinary school, which automatically makes him a really big threat. Yeah, it seems like it seems like he is a pro and yeah. has a lot of like high class expertise under his belt. Um, um what about a so, like a secondary background? It definitely I'm not getting a private chef vibe out of out of this guy. It seems like he wouldn't really want to be beholden to somebody else. Um it, it seems like our character would probably work at a four-star restaurant, would take that route, or... Um... I think it'd be interesting if Marvin Standen name had an obsession with, like, American bar food. And is like, I can make the perfect, the perfect burger and fries. I can make the nasty burger, and it's good. No one has ever done one like me. Yeah. American bar food. Onion rings? Oh my god. To die for. You've never had an onion ring like this before. God, now I want Marvin Jr.'s depressing onion oh, me rings. Too. Fuck. Oh, me too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the saddest onion rings you've ever had, but boy, are they worth it. God. So personal. Uh, specialty? So that we're, we're on, on this part of the character sheet. We arrived at the, the specialty I think we just said it. That's um, onion rings. Absolutely. But I think French onion... It's onion rings, baby. Yeah. But I think they have to have, like, a silly name, like French onion rings. This... this. I mean, you just, like, put some French dip on them. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know. Sure. I don't know how he makes them. You very... Every now and then on Chopped, you'll get to see a chef make their specialty because they're like, Cool. I'll do my specialty and I'll sub out one of the basket ingredients for one of the things I normally use because it's something I'm familiar with. And so you get to see them really thinking fast and creatively and taking something they've done 10,000 times before, doing it the 10,000 and first time with completely different ingredients and different pressures. And it's really fun to like watch their artistry. And then signature technique uh, this is, I intended this to be like a gameplay mechanic modifying thing. Um, and since we don't, we aren't playing the game, uh, what, it doesn't matter what we pick at all. So what would you say is a good signature technique? What would be an example of a signature technique that someone could have? Um, I think... These were definitely some of the more silly things I was thinking of. I think these would be like feats in... No, they'd be like stunts in Fate. So it would be like make a stunt where it's like when you're using grilling to grill beef, get an extra plus two to your final roll. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, I I think that when you are applying a sauce to a fried food you get plus three whoa that's insane 
<laughs> That's sorry really plus two. I don't know what your system is. No, that that you got it. You, you nailed it. That's great. I made up a number. What's it called? What's the name of the technique? Oh fuck! Got to come up with like an anime. I think attack technique name. The French dip. It's like a stand. Yeah. The French dip. The reverse. The French dip. The reverse French dip because the sauce goes on top. All right, now we get to the really fun part of the character builder. Um, Picking off of a list. I love to pick off of a list. So I, I listed a bunch of ingredients. I think there's 40 of them, about 20 or so cooking techniques, several cuisine expertises, and some just like general kitchen skills. And we're going to pick which of the things uh, Marvin Standen named Jr., will have expertise in and that means that the chef will be able to go to the kitchen and get any of these ingredients without any extra cost get benefits for using them in a recipe and also benefits if any of these happen to be the basket ingredient some of these are interesting as ingredients like i like stock that makes sense to me as an ingredient grains totally fish 100 percent. but like burrito i would not often consider to be an ingredient i figured Do you know what i mean so i wanted to like keep in mind like recipe and also ingredient like both of those in quotes of like maybe there should be recipe expertise and ingredient expertise but i think like the combined like you saw on the basket uh, used pizza, leftover pizza was uh-huh. a basket ingredient. So pizza is technically an ingredient, um, but it's also like a recipe style. So like they're kind of mixed in of like kinds of foods, but I think that's All like right, so... they're spaced out enough that you're actually getting some value for picking one instead of like, oops. So, um, uh, you're asking us to pick 10 ingredient expertises, six technique expertises, two cuisine expertises, and two kitchen expertises, um, all of which are even numbers, um, and there are two of us. Oh, and my so God. And so I think we can probably just exchange back and forth as we pick things. Cool. It's like you planned it this way. It's like you prepared for this. It really is like that, isn't it? I think I'm I'm obviously gonna highlight burgers here as the first ingredients expertise. Um, All right. uh, it's very clear that he has burgers expertise. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, I'm gonna do sauces. Yeah, that that tracks. You're up. I'm I'm looking through my options. I'm considering. There's a lot to consider. I am gonna go with sandwiches. Sandwiches and burgers. Wow. Sandwiches and burgers. If it goes between two slices of bread. He's on it. Really? Yeah. I think, um, gotta do shellfish. I'm gonna say vegetables. It's broad, but, it's, um, it's useful. I think applicable. Yeah. Um, let's do, uh, beef. No, that's cakes. Oh, well, too late. I can't change that. <laughs> you can. You can click a different one. It's allowed. Nope. I, my, my body knows more than I do. I trust it. Um, uh, two more for each of us. I'm going to say oils. Oils. Yes. He likes a fried food. Oh my God. Oils and dips. Those are both fit in with his specialty French onion rings. All right. Or sorry, his signature technique, the reverse French dip. 
Uh, I think I'm going to do poultry and beef then as my last two. I think okay. cakes is good. Cakes you, you're going to want for the dessert round. And for my last option, well, I got to choose dips, pastes, and spreads, don't I? <laughs> you sure do. All so right. our, our, our ten expertises to reiterate are beef, cakes, poultry, burgers, vegetables, shellfish, dips, pastes, and spreads, sauces, sandwiches, and oils. And right now, all of those things will allow us, uh, in the game, um, they would allow us right. to do things if there were rules and a game. <laughs> if the game had been finished, yeah. That's correct. Who knows? Maybe someday it will be. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Who? I don't know. I think a deep frying is the technique of choice of mine. It seems true to me. Um, I also, I feel, have to select grilling for technique expertise here. Grilling is good. I think I'm going to pick regular frying. Ooh, yeah. I'm, I'm click regular regular frying. I see you sitting there on barbecuing. Oh yeah, I, I mean I'll take it eventually, unless you take it. I I was about to take barbecuing. I'm gonna I'm taking it's it. It's good. It's good. I think spend I'm gonna your, spend your final elsewhere. I'm gonna do infusing. I think it's. I'm a, gonna say sautéing for my final one. Ooh wow! We got a real pan guy. Well, not really, but yeah. <laughs> we just got a root. Okay. He's American, but also French. We. Oui. Speaking of which, let's talk about our cuisine expertise. Uh, yeah, I think we've got French. I think based... This... It's got to be French and American, right? Yeah. Like, that's what we've talked about so far. Yep. It seems like that's solved I think itself this, for us. This selection point is kind of redundant, but it's a good, like, thing to note. Um, yeah. And then kitchen expertise. So these are things that are not necessarily related to, like, the mechanics of cooking, but are important to chopped. And I talked about them already, but time management, mise en place, which is just, like, preparation of all of the food, chopping it, seasoning it, doing all of the things in the right order so that everything finishes at the right time, um, cooking ingredients in the right order in the same dish, like it's so much like mental work plating which is just like the presentation of the food does it look nice did it all make it on the plate ingredients as just like that was going to be a fun little feat like you can pick two extra kitchen ingredients to be an expert in it's like traded in for that speed is just how quickly do you work safety that was going to be a feat or like a stunt is where self-explanatory yeah it's like if you get three ones on one round of a dish ignore the injury penalty on the following round or don't lose points to this thing but we can't do that um and then critique is just like doing well under the critique pressure um i think the i mean i i know which one i'm picking 100 percent out of these you should go um i feel very strongly that marvin jr cares about plating um, I feel like plating is absolutely a strong suit. He's a perfectionist. He cares about how he looks to other people. He wants to have them have the best experience possible. That's incredible. This is wrong, but I want to give him a point in critique, and I'm going to explain why. I think it he does very he would do very well with the chopped judges in terms of like 
confronting failures. Yeah, I mean, it seems like our 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 character, like as much as he is going to take it personally, he also is very used to taking it personally. Self critique. Yeah, yeah. He he can take it personally, and that can be that's like a just a part of his normal experience of the world. He's good at it. Like a very, I promise you. I say worse things about my food than the chop judges do. Exactly, yeah. Cool. We have completed the character sheet for the chopped RPG. We have created we have we have created a character in the RPG. There are two additional categories that I specifically asked for yes. before we started this. Um, which is that I wanted a look for the character. Um, it seems like everybody in there is wearing, like, a, a standard chopped uniform, right? So we're not going to necessarily make a lot of clothing choices, it seems like, here. Um, People will wear... A... They will... They have to wear some kind of head covering in terms of, like, hairnet, bandana, hat, like, chef's hat, other kind of thing. Or, like, have their hair back, I think. But, like, people get away with a lot with bandanas. I don't think this character would... I, I almost think, is this character bald? Oh my god. In, uh, you know? <laughs> I think I can see it. Interesting. Because it, it makes the work easier. The hair would get in the way. The hair gets in the way. I think I'm going to put the hair gets in the way for look. I think he allows himself some facial hair, though. That's my feeling. Are you just, like, slowly describing me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that much facial hair. Okay. So like five o'clock shadow. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then the other thing that I wanted is is the audience response to this character. How do we feel about him? How do we... Obsessed. Do we like him? Obsessed. There's fan cams. <laughs> Absolutely. I think... So one, He's such a Blorbo. One thing that... He's so chopped, fucking sad all the time and people love that. They want to make him keep cooking. <laughs> I, I think before we even do, like, the mystery basket, anything, I think we have to set the stage of something Chop does do is they'll have a tournament of champions where they will have recur returning chefs compete in multiple different episodes, kind of like Jeopardy tournament of champions or whatever, or whatever they call it. And so you'll have... You could root for this guy for, like, six or eight weeks, like, ascending to the end of the tournament season. So, like, I think people are obsessed. Um, really big Tumblr following. I'm tr I don't know if there's, like, a big monetary outpouring. I don't think there needs to be because of, like, the whole professional chef winning multiple different episodes of Chopped. Um, using the winnings to live... That's how that works. Fan favorite. Fan favorite to win the whole thing. Fan favorite. And then at this point, I think I do want a name. It has to be French. It seems pretty clear. What are French names? I was going to say Tristan, <laughs> which is French. Why Tristan? Uh, because in French, uh, triste means sad. Oh, okay. I yeah. don't think... Tristan. I don't, I don't think Tristan means it, that that's not what Tristan means though but like but it yeah it that, that makes we can't name the character sad but we can name him Tristan well what's a good last name Did we come up with a last name too oh, yeah you, um, you beat me to it oh man um, oh god 
We're on the same page. We really are. Chef Tristan. Google French surnames. I feel like Dubois is always the first one that comes up or something. Nobody has an American surname and his parents are divorced. And one of them lives in America and owns a bar. But the other one lives in France and owns a five-star French fancy restaurant. Tristan doesn't know what to do. How do we feel about, I don't know, Tristan Dumas? (laughs) Tristan Uh, Fournier. Tristan Dumas. Tristan... No, I can't. Tristan Dumas? We can't. We can't. Tristan Moreau. Honestly, sure. Tristan Moreau? Tristan Moreau. (laughs) Kind of sounds like Moreau's. Oh, that's really funny. (laughs) That's great. That's perfect. Tristan Moreau. (laughs) Tristan Moreau. Wow. All right. I know that you wanted to come up with some uh, some mystery dishes just for the fun of it to to think about what our character would be would be making. Yeah, I think I think it would be we'd it'd be silly to do an episode of Chopped without you know like or doing an episode about Chopped without doing anything within Chopped. So I found a mystery basket generator, and I'm gonna generate. Uh, the appetizer, entree, and dessert round. And we're going to come up with the dishes that uh, Chef Tristan would make. Um, All right. My body is ready, Chef. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're looking in the mystery basket, poblano peppers. Okay. You're not going to You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this <laughs> at all. Bacon-wrapped grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh my god. It's perfect. He's going to have such an easy time. A horned melon and jumbo shrimp. Oh my god. This was made for him. Okay. I need to... It does have links. What is horned melon? I don't know. You'll need to to describe that one for me as well. Uh, It's a fruit. Sorry. I googled it and the first thing it says is fruit. Come on, guys. A Kiwano melon. They do this on the show too. Is Ted Allen will be like, so chefs, tell me, what about what is this horned melon? And then someone will say, well, the Kiwano is a traditional food plant in Africa, along with the gemsock cucumber and uh, citron melon. It's one of few sources of water during the dry season, the Kalahari Desert. And then someone will say, yeah, it's commonly used in this part of cuisine around the world. It kind of tastes like a banana and a passion fruit, cucumber and zucchini, or a combination of a banana, cucumber, and lime. And you're like, cool, thanks, judges, for telling me what that means. And then the the chef goes into their little dialogue with the talking heads. This is really tricky. So poblano peppers, bacon-wrapped grilled cheese sandwiches, horned melon. Like, so much of it, you could, like, make the fruit into a sauce and then just, like, put everything on... The burger, but that's not transformative. You gotta transform it. You're already learning. Um, so the jumbo shrimp, I think I think the the starting point is with the jumbo shrimp and the horned melon. I love I love the idea of doing making a melon sauce. I think you could do a spicy poblano pepper horned melon uh sauce reduction um and use that to 
like braise the jumbo shrimp and like that's like pepper melon shrimp sauce on one side and i think the bacon wrapped grilled cheese sandwiches you're gonna have to like you'd that's the trickiest part of like really trying to like maybe make them into a crouton or into here's here's my first concept tell me if this is stupid because i don't know anything about food i think you're gonna hit it right on the fucking head i feel like you you dice the you dice the sandwiches Uh uh-huh right um and then you create like a a bed at the bottom of the pan of the sandwiches and the braised shrimp go on top Uh like it like a casserole style almost yeah i could see it i can i offer a yes and yeah please i think you know better than i do i think you're right about they dicing the bacon wrapped grilled cheese sandwiches into like just one inch cubes and then i think um tristan goes it goes straight to the deep fryer batters them up deep fries them and like has them like tosses them with the not all together but like on the side or underneath and that's a crazy meal and one assumes that he rolls high like that's playing to his strengths that sounds great yeah if i liked seafood i would like that meal i don't like seafood but i think the judges would get him they'd get him on not really doing a lot on for the the sandwiches but i think they'd probably get everyone on that for that round some rounds of chopped they just hate everything that everyone cooks <laughs> like it's so nuts all right well we're we're getting kind of a theme uh the ingredients for the entree round are cardoons Please. olive loaf no idea what that is can, wait can we what's cardoons cardoons i'll go back to it uh car- cardoons olive loaf shrimp cocktail and ground lamb let me let's see what the what cardoons are also called the artichoke thistle they're like artichokes oh my god cardoon stems are part of uh lyonnaise cuisine which is uh lions in french or lyon in french in france um so this is actually a pretty lucky basket for tristan because he knows all about cardoons from being french so they're basically like a a reedy vegetable like artichokes and cauliflower olive loaf what is olive loaf oh it's okay so it's oh what so it's like meatloaf filled with uh stuffed pimento stuffed green olives so they're it's a processed food meatloaf uh i would say not american bar food but yes american shrimp cocktail ground lamb this is a very dense entree round i think tristan's kind of sweating this round sucks because it's three proteins and basically like a big bitter starchy veg not starchy but like crunchy vegetable uh, i mean i'll say you know what this sounds like to me tell me uh, is this sounds like a burger to me 
This sounds like like a lamb burger. Um, oh my god! With uh, like you obviously you put the the greens on top. You prepare them in whatever way that you know how to prepare them because you're French and you know what you're doing. Um, uh, you have the olive loaf thing as um, either uh, maybe you. You fry it and you stick it on this. You can't put stick it on the side. You. I think it's I a know, second. You apply it's it a somehow. second patty. Ooh, a second patty. I like that. I think. Um. This is a ground lamb, so it's a lamb burger, with a uh-huh. like seared olive loaf slice, with a. What if you put the olive loaf inside of the patty? It wouldn't cook well. Okay. You could. Technically, okay, you could use a meat grinder to grind the olive loaf into ground olive loaf to return it to a ground form, even though it is a meatloaf, which is already made of ground beef. The thing is, it's already cooked. So, like, working with cooked sure. food is tricky. So, I think... Uh, it's a second patty. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of a second patty. The shrimp cocktail... I think the cardoons would have to be prepared like the traditional French style to do like a bring them the French recipe to this outrageous burger and the shrimp cocktail. What on earth would you do with that? God, maybe with the cardoon, like a hash, not a hash, but like a... yeah. Uh, but there were there were shrimp in the last round. They were kind of cooked just the same. What about? What if it's like you? Go ahead. Is it crazy to mix the shrimp and the lamb? They're both the proteins. Or like to prepare the lamb in the like shrimp, like you like, you know, sautéing veggies in your beef oil or whatever to make them taste better. Like a similar deal to that, you infuse the... He is good at infusions. He is good at infusions. I think he could do... I think... All right, here's how we save it. We do... We make an olive loaf infusion. Okay. To prepare the shrimp and put the shrimp on the burger. Perfect. And the cardoons are so in like one a... one patty with shrimp on... Shrimp and cardoons on top and the, the shrimp have been infused with the olive loaf. Yeah, so like probably taking some of like the olive and pimento out and like trying to like make reduce that to something that you can just have make the shrimp taste like it. Words are so hard. Uh, I think this makes sense. This sounds great. Okay, cool. Again, I don't like seafood, but otherwise I would eat it. It's his worst round. He really, I, I, I think he he really comes out of the gate strong with a strong appetizer and the entree is just like i'm out of shrimp ideas don't do this to me i am slightly running out of meat space time so let's try and speed through round three the dessert round all right this is it this is the final thing the secret ingredients in the the dessert round are yukon gold potatoes ruby port semi-sweet chocolate and butterscotch beer Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we get to that last one on the dessert round, you had a different plan already for the dessert round, didn't you? <gasps> and a secret fifth ingredient. Um, you picked off of our, our list of Chekhov's bullshit. 
I did. That we set up at the beginning. I did. Um, also, the very unique opportunity to incorporate the last tier of the last unicorn. Insane choice to include in this episode, but it's what you wanted, so here we are. I I think it's the perfect thing. I feel like Chopped would have that. We literally... Would they? How would they? I mean, they'd have to have four drops, four last drops, or two, because there's only two contestants in the dessert round. Unicorns aren't real. But they... What do you... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they are right now in this recipe. Okay, they are right now. Fine. Yeah. Come on. I thought we could have some fun because Devin's not here. Okay, so it's it's the 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 potato potato the, ruby pork. I already forgot all of them. So Yukon gold potatoes. It's a it's fortified wine. Uh, so it's very it's strong okay. wine. Um, okay. semi sweet chocolate, so like chocolate chips, and butterscotch beer, and the last tier of the last unicorn. This is a recipe this for is, disaster. This is the most obvious. Are you kidding me? This is glazed potatoes. You take the potatoes, you uh, glaze them, you apply, like, the rest of the ingredients are a sauce, collectively, you know? You take the wine, maybe the chocolate even as well, and the 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 fourth one that's a, a, a butter beer, you turn those into a sauce at some, of some kind. Our guy is great at sauces. You drizzle it over the glazed potatoes, and then I... Uh, you like arrange it a certain way and you apply the last tier of the last unicorn right in the center of it all um as the the highlight of the dish we don't know what it tastes like but um one assumes that it has a very strong flavor that pokes through the rest of it and so you have just like one drop interesting um, that's the centerpiece of the whole thing i think i think it's i mean like you a, have one base and the rest the rest of it is sauces i think it's a fries and ice cream kind of dish or a fries and sauce and ice cream kind of dish Ooh, I like that. I think it's a cardinal sin, but I think so the the fry the Yukon gold potatoes would be like those really, really thin, perfect, delicious, amazing French fries. Steak fries. Not steak fries, but like steak frites, whatever they are, that are the tiny ones. Shoestring, thank yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. I think a chocolate and butterscotch beer ice cream. You're so much better at this than me. And uh, thank you. A ruby port and last unicorn reduction to go to drizzle over the top. And I think amazing. Uh, everyone would cry. <laughs> and I think this would be it. I think this would be like for Tristan, especially this is a winning episode of chopped. I think for Tristan, especially this would probably be the last thing he ever cooks. Not in like a he he <laughs> dies, but like he think he just it's like that's that's it. I I'm never making anything better than this. That was the last tier of the last unicorn. <laughs> nothing nothing will ever be able to compare to this. I can't believe we've invented the chef and then ruined his career. It's when he I mean he won the the tournament. I think this is a a great ending for him. And now Chef Tristan Moreau can. I don't know, get into painting or drawing, photography. He can go back to school, could be an accountant. The options are endless. <laughs> the world uh, is his onion ring. The world is his onion ring. So um, uh, this is a pretty complete character, but before we go, we do have to talk about who we ship it. Dude, what the f***?
In Yaoi art, the seme, or top, is usually dominating the UK, or bottom. It was fun! The relationship is cute, damn it! I ship that! Maybe exactly who and how this character fucks is a little bit redundant with this character. You know, uh, it's a real guy and he has a girlfriend and we know that about him. But um, we can also in this segment talk about um, how uh, the freaks on AO3 ship this character. What, where do they where do they pair him with? They watch the show. I think Tristan um, Moreau. And they know that he has a girlfriend. Tristan Moreau, I think, but, most frequently gets paired with for. For fictional characters, most frequently is paired with Linguini from Ratatouille. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff oh, out there. Oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. There's a lot of Linguini, Tristan Moreau fiction. Oh, for sure. Um, the, uh, I mean, we already know that the Tumblr kids love Tristan, so... They really do? <laughs> you imagine it goes crazy there. Um, and then I think for non-fictional people, I think, um, there's probably like a fun Anthony Bourdain made up episode that like, like a flashback episode or fic, flashback fic involving the two of them. Probably, maybe not in a romantic way, but just in like an interest, would be interesting if these two people ever met kind of way. Um, and definitely... A really hardcore slash fic with um, Guy Fieri. <laughs> you got the spirit of this exercise instantly. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome. Um, so uh, one more thing before we do sign-offs. Um, at the very end of the episode, once we already have a, a finished character, which I feel we do, um, we add a little bit of a little garnish on top by coming up with one fun fact apiece about our character. Something not already implied by the rest of the the rest of the character, just to flesh it out a little bit. Uh, Tristan, he used to be in clown school, but then there was a horrible accident. <laughs> so he became a chef. A horrible clown accident of some kind? Uh, Non-specific. We wave over it. Well, there was a there was a circus fire. It was intense. Yeah. Was that a... Were you saying... In, is that a pun about tents? About circus tents? A, a pun? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was your fact, Amber Autumn? I think that um I think that Tristan is always wearing gloves in every episode for his preparation of food and you know usually during the food prep portion obviously it's like plastic gloves or like nylon or whatever it is um food safe prep gloves but like even during the like presentational stuff and the like interviews when he's not prepping uh he's always wearing gloves and so there's like a fan theory going around that he has knuckle taps that he doesn't want people seeing but nobody's actually confirmed that information the guy just likes gloves interesting it would make a lot of things very difficult also it's not safe like food safety is it not safe because so for food safety rules he would have to since you can't wash your gloves, really, like you can wash the gloves that you're wearing when you're handling raw meat and then moving to something else. But most people just put on a different pair of gloves. So like people would, it could be a, the, the camera conveniently cuts away and he has to change. Okay. Like when they, when his hands would be 
Actually, I like that better. I like his hands have never been captured on television, and is always oh, wow. and has okay. always been shown wearing gloves. Okay, like the skin of his hands. That's better. Yeah, just just for for so the, food the safety. The conspiracy is that there's knuckle tats, or I don't know, could be anything. It could be anything, but that's what the conspiracy is. What do they say? What does the conspiracy theorists think they say? I think that they have a field day hypothesizing about what tats could be on the knuckles. Cook food. Um, cook food. Uh, yes, chef, yes. with an exclamation mark, and the word chef is spread across two hands. Well, I can't, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Those are the, all the <laughs> options. I thank you so much for coming on for this episode of Original Podcast. Do you Steel? Did you have a? Did you feel like you did a better job with this one? I feel like we did a better job with this one. I feel like we prepared you much better. I think there were some things I did a lot better. I think there were some things I did so much worse, and I think it was such a lovely <laughs> time to be here. I am so glad you came on. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, uh, thank you all for listening to Original Podcast. Do not steal. My name has been Amber Autumn. She heard. Do you want to reintroduce yourself? Say if there's any places that people can find you if they want to find you. Yeah. Uh, my name is John Prime. You can find me at John Prime with an M on Twitter if it's still there when this whole thing is all said and done. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe the maybe the game will be done. Maybe it won't. <laughs> maybe you should go check. Uh, Our theme music is by Kyle Alicia, whose work you can find at hollowrib.bandcamp.com. Please feel free to uh, drop us a five-star review, give us a read, give us a like, give us a comment, and head by our merch store where we will be selling raw red onions. Uh, And join us next week when... um, uh, I don't know how to do this sign-off when it's when I try to get us to talk about Gemma the Holograms in vain. But instead, uh, we will be having uh, other former guests of the show, Lilith, on to talk about the God's Not Dead movies. Wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Doesn't it just? You should all go. Okay, um, I think Thanks that's all listening. I have. Bye. Good night, chef. <laughs> <laughs>